Lesson number 148, Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 94 to 111. It prevented, it stopped. Who? An-nasa, the people. Ayyu'minu, that they should believe. Idja'ahumul huda, when guidance came to them. Nothing prevented people from believing after guidance came to them, meaning after they received the Qur'an, illa except one problem, one objection they had that prevented them from believing was what? Anqalu, that they said, Allahu basharar rasula. A did ba'atha, he sent Allahu Allah, basharan, a human being, rasula as a messenger. Has Allah sent a human messenger? This is the only objection that they could ever come up with. That they had a problem with sahibul Qur'an, with the person who brought the Qur'an, the person who delivered the Qur'an to them. Because when they look into the Qur'an, they can't find much faults. And in fact, the problems that they do find in the Qur'an, it's because of some other reason. And every question or every objection that they raise against the Qur'an, there is always an answer for that. Always is. So with the Qur'an, they cannot find any fault. What is it that they come up with in order to disbelieve? They say, how can we accept a human messenger? What if he's lying? What if all of this was just a big conspiracy? What if he never actually received revelation? It was just, you know, some feeling that he had, or some jinn that used to come to him, or something else. It was just his own imagination. They refused to believe in the Qur'an simply because of the fact that the one who brought the Qur'an to them was who? A human being. People at the time of the Prophet ﷺ raised this objection. They said, why a human messenger? If God wants to send a message to us, He should send angels to us. In fact, He should speak to us directly. Today also people say the same thing. Human? Not reliable. Really? If you examine his character, study his seerah, how can you not accept what he said? How can you not believe in him? قُلْ say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, say, لَوْ كَانَ If there was fil ardi in the earth, malaikatun angels, yamshuna, they walk, mutma'innina, securely. Mutma'innin is a plural of mutma'in. And who is mutma'in? The one who has itma'inan. What does itma'inan mean? To be still. Okay? Like for example, you are very anxious, very afraid, you have many questions, many doubts, and then, you know, you read something and that brings you itma'inan. It brings you comfort, meaning it settles your heart. That storm that was in your heart is now over. So this is itma'inan. Now over here, mutma'inina, what does it mean? They were still on the earth? No, they were residing on the earth. Because itma'anna bil makan is to stay in one place, meaning to reside there, to dwell there. So Allah says that if there were angels upon the earth who were walking around, and they were the dwellers, the inhabitants of the earth, then لَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ Surely we would have sent to them, مِنَ السَّمَاءِ from the sky, مَلَكًا an angel, Rasula as a messenger. 
then of course we would have sent to them an angel messenger. Why? Because they were angels. So what do we learn? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send a human messenger? Why did Allah send a human messenger to human beings? Why? Because that's the most logical thing to do. A messenger is supposed to be a role model. A messenger is supposed to be a teacher. A messenger is supposed to be a leader. A messenger is supposed to be an example. Someone whom you can relate with. Someone whom you understand and they understand you. And if the messenger was an angel, or if there was no messenger, then what would happen? What would happen? How would people find guidance? How would people be led? You see, sometimes it happens that you're working with a group of people. And the person who's you know, the lead of the team, for example, if they're from a different gender, or sometimes from a different background, different race, different ethnicity, different you know, career, different upbringing, you have issues. You're saying something, they're understanding it differently. Right? So for example, women issues, they cannot always be understood by a man. Right? Men's issues cannot always be understood by a woman. So much so that people say, oh, you're not married, so you don't understand my situation. Oh, you don't have children, you don't understand my situation. You don't know what divorce is, you don't understand my situation. Isn't it so? When we see that a person is different from us, we cannot sync with them. Right? We cannot relate with them. There is a big disconnect. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always sent a human messenger to human beings in order to guide them, in order to teach them, in order to lead them. So much so that a messenger was not a stranger. He would always be from the nation that he was sent to. One of them. Not a stranger. Why? Because they were familiar with him. Because the thing is that when you were friends with someone, when you've known them for some time, then if they talk to you, first of all they can talk to you and you will listen to them. And if it's a complete outsider, complete stranger, if they are trying to talk to you, you won't even pay attention to them. And this is the reason why, you know, when people are trying to promote something or advertise, what do they do? They come and talk to you as if they know you since ages. Right? Or they start talking to you about something that's common between you and them. So that you're comfortable and you will actually be willing to listen to them. So this is simple. The reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a human messenger was because humans live on this earth. قُلْ كَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكُمْ Say, sufficient is Allah as a witness between me and you. He is a witness to my truth, whether you believe or not. Whether people believe in Muhammad sallallahu as a messenger or they don't believe in him. If Allah has said he's a messenger... خلاص, he is a messenger. إِنَّهُ كَانَ بِعِبَادِهِ خَبِيرًا بَصِيرًا Indeed, he is ever with his servants, خَبِير and بَصِير. خَبِير, he is aware, he is acquainted. بَصِير, he is seeing, he sees them. He watches them. So he knows who to choose. And once he's chosen the messenger, accept his decision. Now in these ayat, what do we learn? That if you want to communicate with people, if you want to deliver a message to them, if you want to do da'wah to them, who should you be? A weirdo and a stranger? Someone who never talks to them and never sits with them? Yeah? Can it ever happen then? Will you ever be able to talk to people if you've never sat with them and had lunch with them? Can you? No. 
So for example, when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to university, whatever, your house even, if your reputation is that as soon as you walk in, you leave everything at the door, and then you just go inside your room and shut the door and come out only for dinner, and then you tell your brother, haram music, and you tell your mother, mom, this is not halal food. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to say, be quiet and go back to your room. Be quiet and go away. We don't want to listen to you. Because you don't spend any time with them. There is no relationship here. If you want someone to listen to you, you better show interest in them. Show interest in them, not by pointing out their mistakes. No, by befriending them. Did the Prophet ﷺ show interest in people? Of course he did. So much so that little children even, he showed interest in them. How? There was this one child, his bird died, pet died. And the Prophet ﷺ would talk to him and he would say, ما فعل النغير? What did your bird do? What did your bird do? Where did it go? It left you, it died. You know, he's talking to the child about his dead bird. The Prophet ﷺ showed interest in the man who came to serve him. Remember when he took refuge in that garden? When he was leaving Ta'if? And that man, you know, when he told the Prophet ﷺ where he was from, there was a conversation that came about. Talk to people at least, look at them, thank them, communicate with them. And for that, we really need to come out of our shells. You can say, I'm shy, I'm antisocial, I'm an introvert. You know what? You have to come out of it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For the sake of His deen. Because when people look at you, they don't look at you as a shy person. They look at you as, yeah, the girl who wears hijab and she never talks to anybody. Yeah, that person who's a Muslim in my workplace and she's just strange and she's just in her own world all the time. They identify you as a Muslim, as a hijabi, before anything else. I was just thinking that the Prophet ﷺ, he paid so much attention to each person that he would turn their, his whole body just to talk to them and that everyone felt that they were the most beloved. Like that man who came and he started asking, yeah. you know, it's like I don't want to get to the end of the list and probably yeah. at the end. Yeah, that in a gathering, every single person would feel that he was the most important to the Prophet ﷺ. So this is a lesson that we need to learn. Go ahead. A lot of the times, whenever I've started to, especially this year, I've started trying to speak to people around me within classes, just to walk around the hallways. And they're always surprised because they don't expect a Muslim girl wearing the hijab to come up to them and talk to them. And whenever, you know, when I've gotten to know them better, it's like, you know what, when I first met you, I didn't expect this from you. I expect you to be silent, quiet, not really talking to anybody except for, you know, your own group of people. And I found that very surprising because, you know, it's a lot of times when we're within our own groups, we're very social, we're very open and happy. But as soon as we step out to other people, we become closed. And I feel like that's unfair because, you know, they're all great people. We really should get to know them and to better, you know, show Islam to them. That should be our purpose. Yes. And the thing is, as human beings, especially as girls, we need friends. You can't isolate yourself. You can't cut yourself off. Yes, you may have this fear, but if I spend time with them, I will get influenced by them and I will you know, start saying the same words. And everything. Why are you thinking yourself as so weak? Why? Think about the fact that inshallah, you want to be the one who will influence them. And for that, you better be connected to your source, you know, to your power source. And that's the Qur'an. As long as you're connected, inshallah, you will be strong. And the moment you disconnect yourself with the book of Allah, then yes, of course, you will become weak. Assalamualaikum. I was just thinking on the same uh, note as that sister. Like I wear naqab, so 
I used to be very shy. And I used to think when people would look at me, maybe they're thinking bad thoughts or something. So then, you know, I tried to take that out of my mind and try to be more friendly. So even if they couldn't see my face or see my smile, I would look at them directly and say, you know, hello. So my neighbors, when I'm walking down the hall, I try to say hello to them to show that, you know, we're, you can interact with us. Yeah. It's okay. And there is a person behind us. Right, yeah. Now, of course, you are going to remember the rules and the etiquette of interacting with other people, right? So don't think that just because you want to do da'wah, you want to interact with them, you forget about all the rules and regulations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. Of course, that's understood, that that has to be kept in mind. Last week, my son was helping the neighbor, right, to in removing the snow. The girl, she asked, where is another twin? Then uh, I looked at him and he said, um, bluntly, he's reading Quran. Then she said, have you done? Then he said, yes. Subhanallah, I really felt so good. Alhamdulillah. That your son was confident enough to tell the neighbor that my brother is reading Quran. Now, when can you tell them? When you're helping them? Shovel the snow. Right? But if you say, their snow, my snow, their driveway, my driveway, their life, my life, their kafir, I'm Muslim, then what will happen? No, because this is how we think. This is how we think. We instantly block people off. Why? Because they're from a different religion or they're from a different background. We instantly block them off. So much so that within Muslims also what do we do? Different skin color? Different language? She's Arab, she's Pakistani, she's Somali. And she's this kind of Pakistani and she's this kind of Somali. Right? We instantly block people off. And we're doing ourselves a great disservice. Go ahead. I remember uh, once I was shoveling the snow and I have a neighbor, she's an old woman, I start shoveling for her. As soon as I went inside, she returned all the snow in my side. And I was like surprised. So I know it's a test from Allah, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I start shoveling again. After that, mashallah, she started being good with me after that day on. I was born in Pakistan, so I mean I had uh, family members, I've seen them in Burqa and all that, so it's not uh, like nothing unusual. But a couple of years ago, I went uh, as a teacher with a group of students. One of the students asked me if I would volunteer to go to one of the conferences. I forgot the name of the conference, but different Muslims come from different schools, and it was uh, on the weekend. So I did volunteer going. I was the one who was responsible for the group of students. Now, uh, it was a wonderful group of students, but there was like boys and uh, girls. And one of the girls wear niqab. So even I am Muslim and I have seen people in burqa, I found that I had difficulty reading her emotions or what she was conveying. Like it was very difficult for me to see if she's happy about a certain situation or because, I mean, they were all high school students, so I'm asking them what they're eating or what they're participating or if they're liking certain activities or not. But so first time I realized that how difficult it was for me, I didn't really know, like, how close I have to go to her because she's kind of a spring. I couldn't tell much um, if she's happy about a situation or she wants me to do something. Or So I just found it very hard to communicate. At that time I realized how difficult it would be for another person who is from a different culture or different religion, just to interact. Yeah. So this is why, you know, when you're wearing hijab, when you're wearing niqab, you have to go, you have to take that extra step. You know, like that sister said, you say salam, you say hi, you say hello, out loud. 
you communicate with people and you have to do that and in a very similar situation uh, one of the schools where i was teaching at one time uh, there was a function and lot of uh, the students were very active so they were able to get lot of muslim women which usually doesn't happen so lot of muslim women did participated uh, the parents did participated but they were so much in their own groups like i was wearing uh, hijab but i noticed like none of them will approach anybody outside their group so the message as an outsider would be that you don't want to interact with and people don't know how because most of the people are very respectful here they don't want to get into other people's space so until you let somebody know how to interact with them then people want to stay away mm-hmm. and then sometimes uh, i'm not saying people could be very disrespectful and rude too but sometimes they just uh, don't know so anyway the main message is what if you want to do da'wah to people you better live amongst them living amongst them doesn't mean blend within them and lose yourself and lose your identity but communicate with them interact with them engage with them and remember the laws that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us with respect to rules of engagement they cannot be neglected they have to be observed but in addition to that you have to put in the extra effort to interact with people halal haram have to be observed right they have to be respected go ahead assalamualaikum the first time when i went to school in september i felt so awkward i didn't know who anybody was i didn't know anybody So then like at the beginning I told my sister to come with me. I was too nervous and then she told me that I to just to stay calm and then like, you have to find some friends or something. Then I listened to her and she's like, "You know what? You have to make friends. Like you need to know how you should make them." Exactly. And that it begins with communication. Last year when I was in grade 9, I was sitting beside this kid and I think he was trying to figure out and then after he was sitting beside me, right? And he asked me about my hijab and from that day on he always asked me from that day he always asked me and I always wondered why because he had Muslim friends as well and I was just thinking why, why, why and then I realized that it's because I didn't say oh my god what's wrong with you why are you asking me like that I was like I explained to him so normally like it was nothing so I realized that's why he always asked so there's a way to approach and talk to people as well you know you have to interact with people if you want to do da'wah to them and I don't know if you noticed but last weekend alhamdulillah we had a young girl come who was not a Muslim But she came and sat through the entire tafsir class. And you know why she came? Because she has a Muslim friend. Who comes to this class? Who talks to her on a regular basis? Communicates with her? Is normal friends with her? And it doesn't mean that in being friends with her, she'll forget her Islam. No, she will remember her Islam. But she could only take her Islam to her friend when she spoke to her. Acknowledged her existence. right this is how we can do da'wah and that girl after class she came to me she asked me you know a question about Isa alayhi salam and i answered her and she's like yeah that makes sense to me and just normal questions people don't even know what we think what we believe they have no clue because we're so closed within ourselves so this is something that you can do interact with people at school your friends call them to class let them come and see what you do on the weekend have them listen to the Quran read the words of Allah let them look at the juice that you study let them look at arabic they'll be fascinated they'll be amazed at how you come every weekend and sit through a class let them know what you do let them see what you do 
Bring them to class. And I tell all of you, inshallah, we'll do a bring a friend day or something. So everybody has to bring a friend or someone. For the last little while, I've been trying to make this effort of um, not having my headphones on constantly. Because it's, it's become quite a culture of always having your headphones listening to something, even when you're just walking down the hallways, walking down the street. Sometimes it's a good thing when there's no one around. But I feel like a lot of the times we miss opportunities to speak to people. I was on the bus once, and um, I didn't have my headphones on that day. And I was, you know, I was reading something uh, from my Joes. And there was someone sitting beside me, and he looks over, and he's like, hey, what is that? Right? And I'm thinking, well, if I didn't have, you know, if I had my headphones on, I would have missed this opportunity to explain to him, this is the Quran, this is the book of my religion. And he was just completely fascinated. And he's like, you know, what are they talking about? And I explained to him, you know, oh yeah, it's, uh, that chapter was about Musa alayhi salam. And he's like, no way, the Quran has Musa alayhi salam? Like, I didn't know that. And so I realized, like, just small efforts like this, just try to talk to people. Like, I've started, whenever I'm walking down the street, I'll, if there's an elderly couple passing by, I'll say good morning to them. And now they're the ones who say good morning to me every time they see me, because we walk down that route every single day. But they become more accepting of you. They start liking you just because of these small little efforts that you make to try and interact with them, to show them, hey, you know what, we're the same. And it, you just create a better community that way. Recently something happened to me at my workplace, this co-worker, she sits right behind me and she knows that I practice, so she keeps asking me like, oh, why do you wear this, this is your culture thing, so I explained to her. So one day during the last Eid, we were just talking and I gave her like little candy as I was giving it to everybody to celebrate and stuff. So she asked me, she's like, you believe in Abraham? I'm like, yeah. And then and then I went on and naming all the prophets, I'm like, Noah, Jesus, Moses, she's so surprised and she's like, you, you're lying. And then after that... <laughs> Um, so I told her, I was like, no, no, like we really do and this is all the stories. And then we talked about the stories where she was like, oh my God, that's so true. And to a point that, you know, I created such an alhamdulillah relationship with her that after like recently I left the workplace, she still messaged me and she was concerned like how I was, if everything was okay, how I was doing in life. And she's like, I'm teaching my daughter about everything you told me and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, like a few years ago, my biggest challenge was speaking to a non-Muslim. And like, even if they were next to me at work, I'll just say hi and be quiet and not say anything. And I remember once in Journey of Faith, we had this experience just 10 days before. I remember I was in Al-Huda and it was around this verses, I think, where we were learning about interacting with our neighbors and non-Muslims and giving da'wah. And we had like 10 days before that conference. So me and like a few girls were like, you know what, let's just invite non-Muslims. And then she was like, okay, how are we going to do it? We don't know. We're just going to go to coordinator and be like, we're going to invite non-Muslims. If we want to give da'wah, this is one of the things we need to do. She's like, okay, we made so much da'a. We went to the head of the journey of faith. He's like, who are you guys 10 days before the conference coming in? We have like months planning. We're like, please, let's just invite non-Muslims and see how he, it works out. And then I remember he was like, fine, invite 50 non-Muslims. And we were so shocked. We're like, 50? We were like thinking 10 people only. And we're like, okay, inshallah. We made so much da'a, we made invites, we made so much things. And subhanAllah, one thing I realize about non-Muslims, they're always searching for peace. They're always searching for truth. And that the fact that we have the hijab and the Qur'an, this is our gift from Allah. And we should be so proud of it. And on that day, 150 people showed up. Mashallah. We didn't even know where they came from. And subhanAllah, years later, they went to 300, 500, 600. Like it was, and within the first, that 150 people showed up, 12 people accepted Islam. You know, like it was like just put in effort and trust Allah and Allah will make it easy for you. Alhamdulillah. 
So I come at school, right? I have a male teacher, which I'm a little kind of scared of him because he yells so much and he's way too strict. And then he like called me over for something. I didn't know what it was. So then he's like, come here. And I got so scared. I'm like, okay, what just happened? And then like I start, then the next day, like when, when he wanted to talk to me again, I got like, still I got a little nervous. Then after a few days, like I got so like used to it. Then I, then I started to talk to him a little yes. bit. So it happens that just because you see somebody, you think I can't talk to them. I cannot tell them anything. But the more you speak to them, the more you interact with them, the easier it gets. I find it especially like true for like the naqab, especially for like girls who choose to dress in like all black while wearing the naqab. Like as a Muslim, I'm totally supportive of the naqab. But when I see them, I, I feel kind of like uneasy approaching them, you know? And I think like as a Muslim who but supports again, it. again, it's about how you carry yourself, yeah. how you will talk to people, how you will engage with people. Because in this country, anybody can wear anything. Right? Let Halloween come and let people wear whatever. But still, you see them saying, Hi, hello, how are you? The weather is nice or whatever. They will talk. It's about how you carry yourself and how you interact with people. Assalamualaikum. I just wanted to mention uh, in art class, I had an acquaintance and he was a Colombian and he was always asking me questions. He told me that, you know, I don't talk to Muslims or like people who wear hijab. But like, you know, you're different. You actually approached me and you talked to me. And so he's asking all these questions about Islam. And um, what started out as a conversation between the two of us just became like a conversation between the whole table. And it turns out the whole entire art class was just listening to us. And we were just conversing about Islam. And Alhamdulillah, I was actually studying the tafsir at the time. And so what I would learn, he would ask when I was in class. And then I would know the answers to it, subhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. When we look for friends, we tend to look for people who we can relate to, and usually that's other Muslims. But uh, for two years, I went to a school where there were barely any Muslims at all, right? Like there was one other hijabi, and we didn't really hang out for some reason. So I had to have friends, right, because you need friends. So I became friends with non-Muslims, and I think one thing that they learned from me was that we're the same. We're all the same, and... Because I was in a situation where I couldn't be with people who I could relate with, that's why I was friends with non-Muslims. And so, okay, I don't know what I'm saying, but basically just go be friends with non-Muslims. Because only then you can do da'wah. Now remember, remember, alhamdulillah in this entire conversation we've emphasized enough, and I think this point is clear, that you have to interact with people, you have to you know, speak to them. But when you say we're the same, Remember, we're same, but we're different. Okay? Remember your boundaries, always. If there is a man, remember your boundaries. If there is a boy, remember their boundaries. If there is a non-Muslim person, or even a Muslim person who's different, remember their boundaries. Don't start talking negatively about your religion and making fun of your religion just to please them. Right? Represent your religion. Be confident about your religion. If they ask you questions, give them answers. And if you don't have answers, find them. Find them. But don't ridicule your religion or show it as weak or show yourself as very weak before others. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. I think it's like really important to talk to non-Muslims because like I'm in high school and like a lot of my friends are not Muslim. And like recently we've become really close and like 
I have a whole group, and like we're all different religions, and then like it's gotten so far, like something will happen, they she'll be like Allah, or she'll be like Astaghfirullah, and like she, yeah, like, I remember that as well. And like yeah. she wears like hijabs, and like she's so interested in the religion, like yeah. and like I have other friends, and like before they eat, they say Bismillah, like because they copy us. Yeah, um, this is what friends do, right? I remember once in our street there was this Muslim kid that used to live two, three Muslim families. So these Muslim kids were playing and there was a non-Muslim kid who would also play with them. And somebody in that street had a big dog. Okay, So this one kid brings his dog with him and these Muslim kids, of course, they're afraid. So one of the Muslim kids, he just runs into the house and I'm watching. And this non-Muslim kid, he's telling him, Wallahi, it won't bite you. <laughs> Wallahi, it won't bite you. And I was like, Alhamdulillah, he said Allah's name. You know, at least he said Allah's name. He's so familiar with the name of Allah. May Allah really give him iman. But at least he said the name of Allah. Right? So like what you're saying, your friends are saying Bismillah before they eat or Astaghfirullah or whatever. At least they're becoming comfortable with Islam. Right? And this cannot happen except through you. It cannot happen unless and until you are studying with them, you are working with them, you know, you are with them. It cannot happen unless and until you are with them. But this is a very dangerous zone in the sense that you really have to be on your guard. You really have to remember your boundaries. Because المرء على دين خليله A person is on the religion of his friend. Right? So you have to see what kind of friendship do you have with them? How close is that becoming? If they're picking up on the words that I am saying, am I using their words? Because sometimes the opposite also happens, where you say, Jeez. Jeez. Right? Just because you've been hearing that on TV, or just because you hear your friends saying that, or sometimes bad words, they become a part of your language, because that's all you hear. Remember that, you know, like the Prophet ﷺ said, خياركم في الجاهلية خياركم في الإسلام The best of you in Jahiliya are the best of you in Islam. So even the people in Jahiliya, there are those who are best among them. People who use good language. People who are more good than bad. So see, amongst non-Muslims also, who is it that you are associating with? Who is it that you're sitting with? Who is it that you're talking to? Who is it that you're interacting with? Is it people who are listening to music and reading and saying such bad words or you know who have bad habits? Is it such people? Who are you interacting with? Who are your friends? This is something that we cannot neglect. But at the same time, interact. And remember, we learned earlier that there are different levels of friendship or association. Right? One level is of you know general you know relationship in the sense that general interaction with people. And the Prophet ﷺ did that. Right? And then there is a level that is closer than that, and a level that is even closer than that. And close friendship, of course, you cannot have that with a non-Muslim. That's understood. However, just because you cannot be close friends with them, it doesn't mean that you don't even talk to them and speak with them. Right? So there has to be some level of interaction. That's the message over here. Okay? Let's listen to the recitation. وَمَا مَنَعَ النَّاسَ أَن يُؤْمِنُوا إِذْ جَاءَهُمُ الْهُدَى إِلَّا أَن 